0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, listen, you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy we're going to be in First Timothy today. First Timothy chapter six is where we're going to find ourselves. First Timothy chapter six is where we're going to find ourselves. Hey, listen, you guys. Sometimes after the service, you guys will come back and um, you'll say something like, "Hey, you know, that really stepped on my toes today," or "Man, that message was for me today." Every once in a while, though, what will happen for me is is that God. will will reveal something to me in my own prayer time and prayer life that I need to teach on. The only problem is, is that he's talking to me. Are you with me? He's actually talking to me about my own life and about some things I need to change in my own life. And he'll say, I want you to teach that. And I'm like, well, Lord, I don't want to teach that. And so what I usually do then is I feel like God's leading me to another direction. You guys ever, ever done that? And so that's, that's kind of what this message is today. I should have done this message about four or five weeks ago, but I decided to put it off until today, all right? Um, so let me tell you how it all came about, though. So you guys have, this is an iPhone. This message all came about because of this iPhone, all right? You know how it came about? I was driving in the car with some friends of mine, and my beautiful bride was in the back seat, she was in the back seat, um, and she was being uh, a sweet, loving wife as she always is. And uh, um, and uh, I I have an iPhone six, a regular one, okay, um, and I'm appreciative of what I have. Um, but my friend has one of the iPhone six pluses, the one that looks like a a, a large flat screen. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, and I like that because when you're watching a video or something, it, it's bigger, right? It looks bigger and, and more, you know, more, more details. And I can see all the little, you know, the, the high definition stuff. And so, and so I started saying, I was like, man, I really would like, I'd like to have that iPhone six plus, whatever the big screen thing is. And, um, and my wife reminded me, she goes, you know, you, you had that phone before you had this phone. I was like, I know. I made the horrible mistake of having the iPhone 6 plus big screen thing. And I thought, well, you know, I, I think this is too big because when I exercise or whatever, I can't really hold it in my hand. You know, I've got to bring along like a satchel for it. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sell it and I'm going to get the smaller phone. And I did get the smaller phone. But I was in the car talking to my friend and my loving wife butted in. And she says, You had that phone. Oh, I know, I know, but I really want. One. And then she says this. You know, I think she said it to the lady sitting beside her, but I thought she was talking to me. She said, you know, Barry oftentimes wants what he what he doesn't have. He doesn't want, he, he wants what he doesn't have. And just for a split second, I got ticked off. You ever done that to your wife? Get ticked off. I didn't think so, Herbert. I got ticked off. (laughs) I got ticked off. And immediately, immediately God says, she's right. Wendy said, that's right. You like that? So anyway, God said, she's right. And for the next 20 minutes, I'm driving down the road thinking, I oftentimes want what I don't have. I oftentimes want what I don't have. Why do I do that? And I start thinking about those things and thinking about stuff and God started directing my thoughts here and there and, and I didn't even do the sulk thing. You know, guys, when you get mad at your wife and you don't want to you know go off, you just kind of sulk like, pfft. I didn't do that. Um, I usually do that, but I didn't do that this time. It was kind of amazing. I was like, I, why do I do that? And so it started me on this train of thought of why do I do that for? Why is it that I want oftentimes things that I don't have when what I have is what I wanted before. And I started thinking about those things. And God started bringing these texts to my mind. One of the texts he brought to mind is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. It says this. It says, I'll give you another minute. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, in this next text, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, this next text I'm gonna read sounds kind of like what my mom would say, almost like I brought you in the world, I'll take you out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is, every time I read this text, I think about something, sounds like something my mom would say. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world And we can't take anything with with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Let us be content. If we have enough, true godliness. And I love true godliness with contentment is of great wealth. True godliness with contentment is of great wealth. Wealth. If we are, if we are without food, I mean, with food and clothing, we should be content. I was like, gosh, man. And so then I started thinking about all the things that I have and all the things that I've been blessed with. And I started thinking about all those things. And then God started revealing other things to me. Anybody ever watched the show Tiny Houses? Anybody ever watch that show, some of those people are freaks, aren't they? Let's just be real here. Let's be honest, okay? She's like, I can't believe it. I'm getting an 80-square-foot home. I can turn around in it, sleep, go to the bathroom, all in the same little spot, and it's about the size of this square, all right? And the, and the, the setting is, it says, little houses, big lives, right? A, a, small houses, big lives is what it says, Tiny homes. We watch that from time to time. And a lot of times the stories go like this. I was in a stressed out job, and I did this and, this and this and this and this and this, and I had all this success, and I had these large homes, and I have all these things, and I decided I was no longer happy. I decided to throw all that away because that's not what brought me contentment. I wanted to spend more time with my husband or my wife and my family. And so what I did is I made this tiny home. Now, I'm all for tiny homes. That's all good and fine, okay? But one of those episodes, they had a Home Depot bucket they were using the bathroom in. I am out at that point. I don't care how tiny, I am out. If I can't flush it, I'm not about it, all right? That's just my deal. I don't do the, you know, I posted something this week. I was doing this message, and it made me remind me of this about camping. Uh, and And it said this, it said, you know, Um, Camping is such a great thing. It's been in my generations for years, and the comedian said, "Yeah, it's been in everybody's generation for years until they made something called the house, (laughs) the house, tiny homes. They go and try to seek this contentment that they're finding." and they go and try to see and it's a radical move but they're looking for something and you know what we're all looking for something we are aren't we we're all looking for something these are some of the things that i found though as the text says it says it says godliness with contentment with contentment is of great wealth so what that says to me is this. It says that God God wants us not only to be holy, but he wants us to be content with the portion that he's given us. And I want to tell you this. This is the first point I'm going to tell you. God's allotment for you is enough. All right, I want you to hear that. God's allotment for you is enough. It is enough. All right, now listen, I want you to hear this. I'm not just talking about money or portions, all right? I'm not talking about money or portions. I want to tell you guys something Some of us, some of us make our families absolutely miserable with our discontentment, all right? Some of us make, some of y'all's spiritual gifts is negativity, all right? It just is. I'm being honest, all right? Quit looking at each other. It really is. It's negativity. Some of you guys have, and and I, I can be this way too, always looking at the negative side of things. Some of us are making our families, our families frustrated, and miserable because we're never content. You know, what's amazing is this, and I want you to hear this. What's amazing is that almost every single thing that you find yourself discontented about, this is true, almost every single thing was at one time something that you strongly desired. Are you with me? At one time, that was probably a prayer request. At one time, you wanted that home. God, please let us get in this home. Please let us get in this thing. Lord, please, please. Some of you guys may have said, Lord, please, you know, bring me this spouse that I so want. All right? And then you fast forward, and all of a sudden, the thing that was once a prayer request, you've now become discontent with. I have literally done this. I have been through in people's lives for so long where I actually prayed with someone about a job. They got the job and four years later they came back and said, please pray for my job that I hate. And I was like, wait a minute, four years ago you were praying for a job. And now because you've reached a certain level, you want something more. We are like that, aren't we? People are constantly wanting more and more. And what we find is, is there's no hole. There's no bottom to that pit that we fill things up in. Godliness Godliness with, with contentment is of great wealth. But that's who we are. But I want you to tell you something. God's allotment for us is enough. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. I think we have that up there. Maybe we don't. I just looked back. I didn't, I, didn't, I put that. Let me read it to you. It says, don't love, love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. God has said this, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. So be appreciative of the portion size that you have. The truth of the matter is, and we don't want to hear this, but the truth of the matter is, is when we walk around and we're never content with anything, when we walk around and we're not content, what we're saying to God is this, what you provide for me is not good enough. That's what you say. What you provide for me is not good enough. The home, the spouse, the kids, the whatever, the job, on and on. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. That's what we're saying to God oftentimes. You know, my daughter had these dreams of having a vehicle. And so she was going to get a vehicle. And we got her, the first car we got her was was an older used Honda. And so she drove that all through high school. And then we got her another vehicle. And when we got her the other vehicle, she ended, my, my daughter has the spiritual gift of wrecking, all right? She crammed three wrecks into nine months, all right? She did that. We took a fourth mortgage out on our house to pay the insurance cost every month, okay? She literally has the spiritual gift of wrecking. Get this, you guys. Two of the three accidents she has were in a parking lot with no other vehicle moving except hers. And I mean that. No other vehicle was moving except hers. We bought her a vehicle when she went off to college, and it was going to be her quote-unquote final vehicle that we do. You guys, you know, parents, you know you do that. It's, All right, it's the final vehicle. All right, I'm done after this. So we bought that vehicle, and she flipped it. She flipped that vehicle in a ditch. I got the 4 o'clock call in the morning. I got that call, and I went up and drove up to where she was, and she was fine. She was okay, but she flipped that vehicle. And I told her, I said, listen, I don't mean any harm But on the way up here, I called the insurance company and we're gonna have to cut you off for about a year. We're gonna have to stop what we're doing here for about a year. And so for a year, my daughter did not have a vehicle. Now I want to tell you something. Whenever she was first getting a vehicle, she wanted this and this and this. She wanted all these things. But you know what happened? Amazing. This is a miracle. An amazing thing happened whenever she went with a year without a vehicle. Do you know what happened? She said, Dad, I want something with four wheels and an engine, and preferably four doors if you have it, two will take. If it's got one door and one door not on, that's fine. I want to roll. That's what she said. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how easy we can change our perspectives? Isn't it amazing how those things happen? Let me tell you, one of the things that our board does, we have a board meeting this week talking about some things. We have great men that help serve uh, and that help direct this church. One of the things that we're doing that we do every time. This never, never ends. And the board members start laughing when I say this. But when Lynn and I go to our board meetings, whenever we we like expanding the reach of this church. That's what Lynn and I want to do. And every week we meet to try to figure out how we can expand the reach of this church. Okay, we we think about the best way to to bring people in who are lost we think about areas we can reach we think about people we can reach we think about motivating people we're constantly doing that and we go to the board meeting and it's like oh man and we find ourselves frustrated often and about 30 minutes of the board meeting is usually taken up with the other board members going we're doing fine you guys need to chill out Y'all need to let it go a little bit. Enjoy what God's doing. And we're like, yeah, but I know. And usually I'm the one doing that. And Lynn is like usually the one of a common sense. You know what I'm saying? I'm like the, you know, let's go. Let's, you know, take the hill. But man, Lynn joins in with me on that conversation. I know, man, it kind of stinks, man. I mean, we'll start trying to figure out all these kind of things. And the board members are like, hey, listen, you need to enjoy what we have here. You need to enjoy that we have 130 members coming. You need to enjoy those things. We've only been going a little over a year. You need to enjoy the things and I find Lynn and I both find ourselves not being able to be happy and joyful with where we are right now because we're constantly looking for the next thing and I remember one day I was thinking about that and God said this God said what if I only ever brought you 130 would that be okay with you and I had to say this probably not and God said it needs to be Because until 130 is okay, I'm not bringing you 230. And I find myself having to repent of not being content with what God has for us. I find myself wanting to do things and try to make things in places God's not ready to do and make things. It's an amazing, you know, one of the things that you'll find is this. Oftentimes, if you will let it go, God will bring you something better than you even asked for. Are you with me on that? If you'll let it go and be content with where you are, God will bring you more and better than you asked for. Let me give you an example here that you can see. We had a worship leader here that saw a bumper sticker and that came to be our worship leader when we first started. We didn't seek them out, they came to us. And he, with Tori, was here for about a year. He was, I saw Tori and talked to him yesterday. He was here for about a year. But he had been doing plant churches for 17 years, sitting up, taking down, sitting up, taking down, 17 years. And after a year, he came to me and said, hey, listen, I'm kind of tired. And I said, I'd be tired too. And I immediately started thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Listen, we've got able people here. But we wanted someone whose calling was to do worship. And I was like, well, God, here's what I'm going to do. And I did what I thought I should do, and that is, is I, I went on all the different seminary sites, you can do this, around Atlanta. And I posted all of these ads and job things. I mean, I spent days doing this because you have to always go through this whole process of filling out. Someone calls you. This is for every one of them. And it took days to do this. Here's what we're looking. I was looking for a college student, a college student to do this. All we need is someone who feels comfortable leading up here, a, a center point person. That's what we need. I talked to Dan about it. We talked about it, what we could do, and and you know, and and, and what if we did this, and, and we we made, we, we, we made arrangements in the meantime. And it wasn't a couple weeks after Tori had decided to, to, to go ahead and 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 to step down. It wasn't but a couple of weeks. And I had done all this work, and Jeremy walked in the door, and I looked at him and I said, That guy is a worship leader. I have no idea how I knew that. It may be the skinny jeans and the cool hat, but I'm just kidding. Jeremy doesn't wear skinny jeans. He does wear cool hats. I was like, and he's getting ready to leave, and I felt so awkward, and I was like, dude, you look like a worship leader, and he starts laughing, and he says, well, I am, and I said, well, we need a worship leader, and he said, let's talk, and we talked. And over a period of a couple of months, he decided to come on board with us. Can I tell you guys that I wasn't looking that big, that high. I wasn't looking with someone with tons of experience who had recorded before. And uh, I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for the, for the bottom That God wanted to give me more. Why? Because he liked doing that. He liked surprising us. And you'll find, if you'll be content with what God's given you, you'll find that that next step will be bigger than you think it is. And it's true. It's a true thing. He's done it for me. He's done it for us here as a church. And I think he'll do it for you too. But here's the key you have to understand. God's allotment for you is enough. It is enough. And I want you to know this too. Contentment is a choice. Being content is a choice. It's a choice that you make every day when you wake up. One of my favorite movies is Bruce Almighty. I love Bruce Almighty, okay? Bruce Almighty, where this guy, all he wanted to do is is be a news anchor. All he wanted to do is be a news anchor. That's all he wanted to do. And he tried to claw and fight his way. And all he wanted to do is be a news anchor. But he kept getting overlooked. Until finally, finally, He was actually made God for a time. And he saw how difficult it is. And he began to know something and realize something. What he began to realize is this. He wasn't created to be a news anchor. He was created to be around the people. And he was constantly discontented with the thing that God had created him to do to begin with. God had created him to be around the people. To be funny and crazy and in with the people. And he kept wanting to go to this other level. But he had to choose to be content with where he was, and that is where he found the biggest joy. You know, it's amazing how we can see things when we look at it from a different perspective, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how we can see things? Contentment is a choice. Do you know this? Do you know that you live what most of the world would consider to be like a king? Do you know that? Do you know your lifestyle is one that most of the world would consider to be like a king and like royalty? Do you know that? Do you know that you live, you have the food and the drink and the homes and the cars and on, the medical, you have the whole thing and you live like a king. Even the poorest among us live like kings compared to the rest of the world. How do you make a choice to be content? Let me help you. Let me help you. There's an easy way. Tomorrow morning when you get up, if you say, you know, I want to start being content. I want to start being content with what I have. I want to be content with where I am in my life. I want to be content. I don't want to be all, all, you know, discombobulated. I don't want to be all, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to be content. Let me tell you something. You know how to do it. Do this. Your cell phone has, has an app called Google, all right? And you can do this. You can switch your search to Google. You can switch it to images, all right? If you want to learn to be content, then you switch your search to images, all right? Here's what I want you to type in. I want you to Google Haiti children and see what images come up. Do that. Google Haiti children and see what images come up. And then right after you, this is before you ever get out of bed, all right? I want you to grab it. And then to, the, next, the, the next thing I want you to Google is I want you to Google third world poverty, all right? And, and, and it's got no, no websites, just the images. And look at those images, And then the next thing I want you to do is I want you to Google Africa starvation. And then I want you to look at those images, all right? And then the next thing I want you to do is I want you to Google poverty in America. And when you do that, I want you to look at those things. Search those pictures. Look at those pictures. And then before your feet hit the ground, I'll guarantee you, you will have made the choice to be content in the home you have, in the bed you have, in the job you have the kids you have and on and on and on. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to better yourself. I'm not saying that God's not calling you to a different job or a different home or a different whatever. I'm not calling you. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that at all. What I am telling you is this. Between the time when you go from point A to point B God wants you to be content with the provision that he has given you because the provision that he has given you is enough. He wants you to make the choice to be content. That's what he wants you to do. This is the final thing I want you to hear. When we draw near to Christ, he changes our desires. When we draw near to Christ, he changes our desires. Psalm 37.4 says this, it says that he will give you the desires of your heart. That's what he says. He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, four, but I want you to hear this. That doesn't mean that you're going to be sitting there going, okay, God will give me the desires of, of my heart. Lord, I want a new Porsche. That's what I want, Lord. Lord. That is a desire in my heart. I want a new Porsche. And then you go out and look at the thing. Okay, no new Porsche. The next day, God, I want a new Porsche. And the day after, God, that's not what it's talking about. Let me explain to you what it's talking about. When you you connect with God on on a level, your desires for what you think you want will begin to change and they'll begin to change because God is, lear- is molding you and teaching you and he will eventually come in and he will replace the desires that you thought you wanted with the desires that he wanted you to have. Some of you may wonder this and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this but some of you may wonder this. Some of you may wonder why someone is talented and I'm bragging on Jeremy today. He's my friend. I love him. But why he would be here, okay? I mean, his album is for sale back there on the table. Why is he here? Why is he not out touring and 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 you know, doing the rock and roll thing and all that kind of why is he not doing that? Well, let me tell you why he's not doing it. Because at a point in his life, God took those desires that he thought he wanted and he said, "No." Your ministry is going to be not only to the local church, but it's going to be to your family and your children and to your wife. And that's going to be your priority. And that's what you're going to put first. And when he did that, the joy that overwhelmed him was nothing that being a big star in the Christian world could give him. What happened? Let me tell you what happened. God came in and replaced and gave Jeremy his desires, gave it to him. And he'll do the same thing for you, and he'll do the same thing for me. I love this quote. It says, a Christian comes to contentment not so much by the way of addition, as by, but he, he does it by subtraction. Contentment does not come by adding what to what you have, but by subtracting from what you desire. The world says that you will find contentment when your possessions, I want you to get this, when your possessions rise to meet the level of your desires, that's when you're content. But the Christian has another way of contentment. He brings his desires down to the possessions that God has already provided for him. Christians don't always need to look for the next thing. They don't always need to look for the next thing. The world says you will find contentment when you reach a certain level. You have a certain status and on and on. But this is what God says, and I want you to get this. When you place your heart and your dreams and your whole life in my hands, your life will be aligned with the portion that I have given you. Your life will be aligned with the portion that I have given you, and you will experience overwhelming joy because you will be thankful for the portion that I've given you. That's what we are to do. That's what it says when it says that that godliness and contentment are of great wealth. They're of great wealth. When we align our desires and allow God to place them there, with the possessions that he's already provided for us. Those things are what cause us to have joy, and those things are what cause us to be content. I want you to hear this, and I don't want you to walk of here saying, well, I don't need to ask for anything else, I guess. I guess that old beater's fine with me. You know, I'll just drive that thing till it falls in the ground. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. Appreciate and be content with what you have right up until the point where God brings you the next thing he wants to give you and then begin the process of appreciating that as well. One of the things we often do is we often look at the other person and say, and it never, it never happens. It, this always happens. So, so I got a boat, right? I've always wanted a boat and I got a boat and I waited to get a boat forever because that's just how I am. And I waited to get this boat. So I got this boat and I loved it, man. When I, we were riding around and it was just, it was awesome. It was awesome, Okay. And one of my friends started talking to me about this boat. He got a boat. Four foot longer and 65 more horsepower. And this really ticks me off. I'm going down. He's at the lake, too. We're driving down. You think he's saved. He do, but he know better. But I'm going my little 60 horsepower. Now, before I knew this, I thought I was on cloud nine. You know what that joker did? came right by me. Threw up the deuces too. Isn't that terrible? (laughs) 30 minutes later when I got to where he was. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? But that's what we do. That's what we do. We do that. The scripture calls it, and in the Old Testament calls it coveting. In your heart, you want to covet what someone else has. You want to covet what someone else has. But that's not the portion that God gave to you, and he wants you to be appreciative of what God gave to you. That's his thing. This happened to a friend of mine. I want to close with this story. Incredible story. A friend of mine named Nick, and I'll just make it really brief, but Nick's wife, when he married her, Nick's wife's parents owned a dairy all right. They owned a dairy farm and a dairy. And so they actually owned like a, they made cheese and butter and They and all this stuff. Milk. They had all of these, this whole process and they owned it. They very successful. And they signed a contract with a major company. The company promised that no other competitor would be in their region for a certain amount of time. Well, the company, the company reneged on that, even though they had a contract. And to make a long story short, Nick was able to actually legally sue those people for not following through with their contract. And he was able to eventually sell the dairy, and he got a very large sum of money. That's all he ever wanted is to play golf and to uh, raise kids, play golf. He was set. He was set. He went and bought the biggest house. He bought a 300ZX, a white one. I used to ride in it all the time. His daughter would drive it, and I'd be like, wow, this is cool. Let me get my cassette tapes out and listen to some Milli Vanilli. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I was blaming it on the rain, man. Blame it on the rain. You got younger people can go look that up. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Just don't look at the picture of the album cover because they're not singing it. But... They're not. I know, isn't that terrible? <laughs> but listen, I would blame it on the Raymond. I love that car. I mean, it would go everywhere. It was so fast. And, and they had all this money and this huge house. And he was playing golf every day. And he wasn't working. And they could live off the interest and all this kind of stuff. And one thing led to another, led to another. And this was what he thought he wanted. But he didn't find himself to be content. And so he started getting in other things. And lo and behold, after about five years, they were broke. All the money was gone. And he had nothing to do. Now, he was a Christian, but he was never content with his life. He wasn't content with his kids and his wife. He wasn't content with his house. He wasn't content with whatever. And he started praying. And a guy called him and said this, said, listen, I know, I know that you have some cloud in the community. And I don't know if you'd want to do this or not. But there's this, there's this small children's home that's kind of struggling right now. As a matter of fact, their doors have been closed. And they've been trying for nine months to reopen the children's home. Would you come and be the executive director of this thing and try to change, try to turn it around? Listen, the children's home only has right now two employees. We're going to eventually have 10 employees. So it'll be really small, Nick. It'll be really small. Just 10 employees. That's it. Just 10 employees and, 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 uh, and you know, a, a very small budget. Uh, just a couple, a couple hundred thousand dollars. You know, nothing major here. You've done much bigger with the things you've done. But we know, we think that you could really do some good here. And he prayed about it, and he took the position and it went from 10 employees to 12 to 14 to 20. And the children who were there being ministered to went from, they went from eight kids to 12 to 24 to 36 to 50 to 75 to 100. The budget went from 180-something thousand to 250 to 400 to 600 To 1 million, to 2 million, to 3.5 million, to 4.5 million. And this staff went from 10 to 12 to 20 to 30 to 50 to 60 as it sits today. And everything he'd always been looking for, he found in a little children's home. And he was there 21 years. Thousands of children came to Christ. Thousands of children came to Christ. And his joy wasn't found in the money, and it wasn't found in the golf course, and it wasn't found in the large home. As a matter of fact, after they lost everything, they had to sell all their stuff, and they moved into a two-bedroom apartment. But he continued to be faithful. And today, today, youth town where Wendy and I actually worked for a while, Youthtown is one of the leading alcohol and drug treatment centers in the South. And they work with children, both boys and girls. Crazy things happen like this guy came and said, hey, listen, I've got this property and it's got this camp on it. And I don't know why God's let me do this, but I'm retiring, I want to give it to you. And he did, and they started a girls' program on another location, and God continued. You know, two years ago, Nick retired, and the state, the state of Tennessee, proclaimed the day he retired as Nick Pappas Day because he had had such a huge impact on the children of Tennessee. Crazy story. Crazy story. You know, the craziest thing is, in the middle of that, all in the middle of all that stuff going on, there was this twerpy 16 year old kid who used to come over to his house and he sat down with him one night and he told him about the gospel. And two years later, that kid accepted Christ and today he stands before you. That's me. I was one of the people that was impacted because Nick decided to be content with what God wanted for him and not what he thought he wanted. Isn't that amazing? It thrives today because someone said, I'm going to be content with God's, what God's possessions, what his stuff is, what his allotment is for me. I want to be content. You know, we can learn something from today. We can learn something from the text. God's portion for us is perfect Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.